Hey everyone, welcome back to the Words and Sounds podcast. I know it's been a little bit, which is a bit of a recurring theme, um, which probably says more about me than anything else. Actually, it only says stuff about me, but that's not important. Either way, um, this is going to be episode four. If you haven't checked out the three episodes before this, I would encourage it. You don't have to. I'm not going to tell you what to do. However, you know, for the whole story to make sense, it might benefit you to start at the beginning. Just a recommendation. Kind of just my thought. Um, so yeah, this is episode four. So we've got two more, five and six, and we'll end out this series. Um, you know, a lot of stuff has been going on, as I'm sure most of you know. And uh, that's okay. That's how it is. So either way, I'm hoping to be able to get out the next episode pretty quickly. Um, I've got the next series, which will uh, also be six episodes. I've actually already uh, written a lot of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm wanting that one to kind of be more of a, uh, you know, getting us into autumn, even getting close to spooky times in October being something more along that. It's probably going to be um, pretty different from what this one is, but I think that's okay. Either way, um, I'm going to leave some links in the description of this episode for a lot of a lot of content that I have been working on that isn't specifically this show, but it is, you know, composition, some writing, things like that, that uh, I want to make available to people. And, uh, all right, well, without further ado, here's episode four, The Long Walk Home. Be warned, this episode includes descriptions of graphic violence that may be upsetting. Um, there is some self-harm in this episode. Listener discretion is advised. There is a moment we all share in springtime. It is small and often unspoken, but it is there. Soft rains sweetly cause flowers to wake from their winter nap. Fawns and butterflies enter this new world to remind us of the life which seemed impossible under the snowdrifts and heavy clouds. The very air smells of greens and yellows and bright blues. We dreamed all winter long for this rebirth, and we marvel at her arrival. Thick coats and boots are traded for bare skin kissed by the sun. The sun. His betrayal all winter long is forgiven on these joyful days of spring. And then it happens. A beautiful day becomes slightly too warm for comfort. Not an oppressive warmth. Summer will see to that. But sweat beads on your brow and lower back nonetheless. The light of the sun. That which you dreamed of all winter long has once again betrayed you. And so you head back inside and dream of crisp and cool autumn days. Spring has ended as it has just begun.
man stood up from his work underneath the low ceilings of the armory, leaving its stifling heat to stretch his legs and back. He walked towards the main gathering hall located on the upper decks, above the ship, his ship, and to the north, an army of giant command frigates and passenger liners could be seen among the stars through the large bay windows. He could see the ceremonial banners being appointed. Even this far away, the shuttles of important generals and dignitaries could be distinguished from the ordinary service gifts. He could feel the weight of their expectations, and it was almost crippling. He would need to finish painting the armor he would wear for his new station before the ceremony started. It was almost complete. He worked on a black breastplate bearing a deep crimson gouge in the middle that he had earned in campaigns on the surface of the planet. This proved he had been tested in glorious battle and had been found worthy. If his armor was damaged beyond repair, he was held in highest regard for this meant he had endured pain and survived. The officer would be expected to then fight wearing only a ceremonial cloth, presenting his naked chest to anyone who dared. No officer who set upon this path was ever issued more than one set of armor until they reached the rank of Empyrean. While technically being below only the Emperor himself, the Empyrean were not generals nor tacticians. They were not awarded estates or money. They were the executors of divine will and desired only blood. They were not even allowed a name, for this was to separate them from the Emperor himself. Of course, the overwhelming majority of officers never pursued this rank. Few chose this path, because few could bear the weight of what it meant to be honorable in the eyes of the most blessed emperor. This meant abandoning weakness and clothing yourself in devotion to the black emperor. He would honor what he had pledged to do. Always this confrontation of man and honor led to blood. He felt a dull ache in his left arm, or rather where his left arm had once been. In its place was a titanium mechanical appendage. There must always be payment. At the top of the shoulder, the skin was puckered and purple. The scar tissue had taken two months to settle around the metal shaft. Some of the skin still awkwardly hung loose on the underside of the armpit. He had been told this was normal. He silently chastised the heretical thoughts running through his mind. The other renouncements had been incredibly challenging as well, but he was left-handed, and the most recent was especially taxing on his will to continue. I will continue forward, he thought, but his mind drifted. still see the sky that morning. Not one cloud marred the horizon. The cold air bit hard. Stripped to the waist, his skin was blue and red as he shivered violently. It was five hours before he passed the eastern river. The terrain toured his bare feet, but he continued on towards the mountains. His destination lay in their foothills. He jogged the last miles to stave off hypothermia, and he came to a small cove of cedar trees around noon. The men walked into the middle of the cove where there was a clearing save for one waist-high oak stump. On top of the stump was a large knife and a rubber cord. This made him sick to his stomach, and he built a small fire to warm himself up. It took him an hour to summon the courage to stand. The emperor only accepted offerings of flesh, and he would prove his love belonged only to the emperor. He removed his loincloth, standing bare and alone. Trembling, he took the rubber cord and cinched it around the base of his genitals, cutting off the flow of blood. After he became numb, he grasped the knife in his right hand and his genitals in his left. 
He had meant to perform the action in one swift motion, but the cold air had rendered his muscles unresponsive, causing him to leave the task unfinished. Standing in the cedar grove under the crystal sky, he stared at his testicles loosely hanging by a strip of skin against his leg. Quickly losing consciousness, he grasped them and pulled downwards, ripping them to the ground. He grabbed a smoldering piece of wood from the fire and pressed it to the open wound. This proved more than he could endure. Blackness overtook him. He awoke to a burgeoning pink sky, birds singing song of morning. Whether they ached for the night or heralded the new day was unclear. The son is, of course, terribly sentimental and would never begrudge his sister Moon a proper funeral. He wondered if the sun would rise without this ceremony. The warmth washed over his skin as the light filled this valley. The young man grasped at the bare dirt and sat up, for standing seemed impossible. The scene around him seemed much the same as it had the day before, except blood on the ground. A knife stained. The memory of the self-mutilation came fast to the front of his mind. He remembered he was naked and looked down where his genitals had always been. Only dried blood and charred flesh remained. This did not bother him as much as he expected it to. He stood up and tried to relieve himself. Waves of pain surged from his groin, but a stream of urine did escape. In truth, this had been his only concern. He had never used his anatomy for any other purpose. The young man never had the time or desire to be with another. He felt no real loss, but something else creeped at the edges of his mind. He felt no euphoria, no sense of righteousness. This had been done out of love for his god, the Black Emperor, but he felt no closer to God. He only felt exhaustion, so he pushed the blasphemous thoughts from his mind and picked up the knife and began the long walk home. Stirred from his musings by the clanking of metalwork, he shook his head, driving the memories deep under consciousness. This drew slight glances in his direction. Of course, none of the support staff on this part of the ship would dare make eye contact with someone of his station. He cleared his throat and walked back towards the armory. There was a slight awkwardness in his upright gait. Both of his legs were of similar titanium construction to his arm and attached at the hip. Although these were almost two years old, he had not quite grown accustomed to them. They were of great use when running as they did not fatigue. Not so good at walking yet, though. His metal right arm was a year old. The newly acquisitioned left arm completed the set. He looked back towards the ships amassing around his. Today was an important day. He was to be officially blessed by the Emperor himself. This day would mark the completion of his ascent. He was to be one with God. That last thought left a sour uneasiness in him. He hoped today's ceremony would justify his suffering. It had to. Nothing else mattered. He had nothing and no one. He noticed heavy footsteps approaching his door. It's time. He looked at the duo. Two massive Empyrean, men who had already endured his trials and become exalted. His future. He nodded and finished putting on his armor. In truth, he was larger than the two formidable escorts. It was their rank that made him feel small. Together they walked the long corridors that led to the transport bay. It seemed like a dream to him. 
They were passing the ship's bridge, then they were boarding a small skiff. As the ship departed, he saw it, an immense vessel, deeply black even against the background of open space. The Emperor's flagship, the Black Sun. He could feel his heart beating in his throat. Today was an important day. The trio departed the skiff and stepped onto the flagship. The scale of the vessel disoriented him. The ship that they had just come from, his ship, the End Runner, could fit entirely inside of this docking bay, and the Black Sun had six such docking bays. Massive banners hung from the walls at regular intervals bearing the Emperor's standard, a dark primitive sun against the blood-red background. It was the same standard emblazoned on his breastplate. Millions had died upholding this image. It had always filled him with pride and a sense of belonging. The young man had been on the ship only twice before. The first when he was just a small child, and he remembered little about why he had been there. Flashes of exploring tapestries and carvings were all that arrived from that faraway past. The second was five years ago when he started his ascension to Empyreon. That day he had sworn his fealty to the Black Emperor and renounced his former desires and ambitions. That day he had started on the path of the Exalted. He had not seen the Blessed Emperor that day. He hadn't been worthy. Today he would prove his worth. He had endured the five renouncements. He had forsaken all others for his god-king. These thoughts were interrupted by a voice in his head, a voice that had grown louder over the last five years, a heretical and subversive voice. This is not a glorious march to triumph. You are walking the path of an already dead man. He wondered if they heard what the voice had said, but of course they hadn't. They walked on resolute and impassive. His settings took on a different light. The corridors and massive rooms felt darker and filled him not with the love of the Emperor, but with black shapes waiting in the shadows and corners. He hadn't realized that his escorts had stopped. Standing before them was a giant double door. Man-sized glyphs etched in gold adorned the portal and depicted the Empire's history. The taking of the land bridge at Yura, the burning of the moon, the massacre at New Cathay, and in the middle, bisected by the two immense slabs of dark green malachite, was the likeness of the Black Sun himself. He wore a simple robe, but carried a sword in his right hand. His left hand was raised to the heavens, and his eyes stared right through the young man. He once again felt like a child. They stood in front of the door for what he could only guess was an eternity. Stars went from birth to death. Entire galaxies collapsed under the weight of entropy. What was he to this immensity? Then the doors opened. His heart stopped. This was fine because he wouldn't be needing it much longer anyway. The splendor of the throne room restarted his useless heart. Vaulted ceilings were held up by two rows of great golden pillars. Through the door, five steps led down onto the main level, a dizzying black and marble floor swirled with red and white. At the base of each pillar was a carving of great heroes from days long past. Each statue shouldered the weight of their respective pillar. He felt envious of them. A great crowd of high officials and courtesans filled the room with murmuring, their clothes making their titles and ranks obvious. There were too many to count, not that he was paying any attention. The pillars led to a great obsidian throne raised on a dais at the room's back wall. It was empty. This made the young man's heart sink. It was raised above the main floor but stood beneath the great dais. The Imperian escorts did not follow him onto the platform but stayed close behind. He could not take his eyes off the throne. 
A man in a white robe hemmed in gold stepped out from the crowd and joined the young man on the platform. He knew this man, Ranaut. He was the emperor's highest priest. Ranaut raised his hands and the din of conversation immediately stopped. What a glorious day this is. We are gathered here to bear witness to a magnificent ascension. Our chaste younger brother has walked the path of exaltation. Praise the Emperor for his wisdom. Praise the Emperor for his wisdom, the crowd said in unison. Ranaut continued looking at the young man. You have done a good thing. Few make it to this place, and fewer still stand on this platform. Take pride in your strength. The young man's chest swelled. What a glorious day indeed, came a voice. All eyes moved to the throne. A man dressed in simple gray robes sat comfortably there. How had he gotten there? There were no steps leading up to the seat, and no one had noticed him enter the room. Behold the emperor, merciful and terrible in his reign, Ranaut shouted. The crowd erupted in rapturous adulation. Some threw roses and gold at the throne's base. Others began cutting their palms to sanctify the offerings in blood. The young man barely noticed. His eyes were on the emperor. His gaze was returned. Those gray eyes took stock of this young man. The emperor held up his right hand and the noise died out. What is your name, my son? Malik, son of Moriah. Your mother was a devoted servant and powerful warrior. Be proud of your lineage. I am proud, he blurted out. A collective gasp filled the room. Ranut stared hard at Malik. The emperor waved his hand and smiled. It is good for us to hold our mothers and fathers in high regard. I would expect nothing less from a son of mine. Malik looked confused. The emperor laughed softly. Your mother offered her womb to me. You are the fruit from that tree. No Empyrean has ever come from any other seed but my own. How else would I trust them so completely? We are already of one blood, you see. The men who escorted you here are your brothers. Malik looked back at the two men who brought him here, but their faces remained expressionless. Your obedience to me has earned you this knowledge. Keep well this secret. It will not leave this room. I must confess that I have another secret to tell you. Malik breathed in deeply. This was too much to process. Before I tell you more, recite the renouncements you have taken in my name. Malik bowed deeply. He had rehearsed this moment thousands of times. He took a brief second to remember these words clearly. For my emperor, nothing is too great. The sun and the moon give way to his might. The very ocean bends to his will. How will I serve him? To him I give my right arm to become his sword. I pledge obedience to his every word. To him I give my left to become his shield. I pledge protection of his life over my own. To him I give my right leg to become his ambassador. I pledge to bend the nations to his will. To him I give my left leg to become his emissary. I pledge that all creatures will know his good works. To him I give my manhood. I pledge my love only to him and my lineage becomes his lineage. Malik briefly paused. This line had taken on new significance. He was the emperor's son. He would never be able to give the god king an heir. You will never give him a challenger to the throne, the small voice added. He quickly resumed his recitation. To the highest mountain in the lowest valley, to the farthest star, to hell itself, I will bring his name before all. I will serve him to my dying breath. 
Beautifully said, my son. I believe you. You have made me proud this day. It is now with a heavy heart that I tell you my last secret. The Emperor hung his head in grief. There is a sixth renouncement. Malik stood very still. Had he failed? He did exactly what he was instructed. What was this final renouncement? He began to get flushed with anger. Be not saddened, my son. You have proven your loyalty to me without question. You were not worthy to even consider this final test until today. With this last statement, the Emperor looked at Renaud. The High Priest produced a long knife from under his robes. Do you, my son, pledge your life to me? Will you forsake all others? Will you give everything to my name? Yes, my Emperor, Malik said without hesitation. Good. Take off all your armor. Malik immediately obeyed, Sud standing on the platform naked. The Emperor nodded and Renaud plunged the knife deep into Malik's chest. His eyes went wide. He couldn't find his breath and he dropped to his knees. The High Priest grabbed his hair and placed the sword on his neck. Fear not, my child, Malik heard the Emperor's voice faintly. You will not remember any of this. We will free you from your body and exalt you into a new vessel. Renaud began to saw at Malik's neck. The blade easily cut into the flesh. Thick blood began to pour on the black marble. Malik's head bent upwards at an impossible angle. Renaud reached his spine and began hacking at the bone to separate the head from the now limp body. When he finished, he held Malik's head above his own, letting blood wash onto his face and robes. Rejoice, my children. Malik is dead. His name will be forever forgotten. A new Empyrean joins my side. The crowd cheered. Malik ran his metal fingers over the ridges on his new metal chest. He didn't remember not having this body, but something at the corner of his mind knew that this hadn't always been here. He felt no status or nostalgia for what came before, just an awareness that there was a before. He touched his face. If he still had skin on his fingers, he would have felt the cold material. None of this mattered, he knew. Looking back served no purpose. He had received his first commission as Imperion. He was going planetside. Words and Sounds appreciates your support. If you would like to receive more content, please go check out the Patreon page listed in the episode's description.